was filled with rain Sunny You smile at me and really ease the pain Oh, the dark days are done and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny one so true The Blue Jays sweep the White Sox. Hello and welcome to episode 265 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Bryson. We don't have Jacob with us this week. He isn't around to celebrate Nate Pearson getting called up, which is probably a good thing for me. But Bryson, how are you? Yeah, Jacob, uh, <laughs> Jacob missed out on this one, but Mark, I think you dodged a bullet. I'm doing good. The Blue Jays are doing good. The starting rotation is doing good. We saw some really good games this week, of course, despite the White Sox being as bad as they've been to start the year. You can't complain about the consistent quality starts that this rotation's been going through over the last couple of weeks, but I think as well, this last series definitely continued to solidify that confidence that this rotation as a whole now might be officially on track. Of course, we got to start with the starting rotation because, as you mentioned, everything seems to be going the Blue Jays' way right now. And the caveat that we will put on all of this is that the Chicago White Sox are terrible right now. And so you have to take everything the Blue Jays did in this series with a very heavy grain of salt. Of course, the White Sox have now lost seven games in a row. They haven't won a series yet this season. They haven't won back-to-back games this season. And they are right now in the midst of their worst start to his season since 1986, I think is the stat. I think they're, they've lost 15 of the last 19 games. It just goes on and on and on when you think of how terrible things have gone in Chicago. But with that in mind, we can also celebrate the great stuff that happened with the Blue Jays. And of course, the number one thing is the starting pitching. I just want to throw a stat out there. It was on the Sportsnet broadcast. I'm sure a lot of people saw this. But fewest earned runs by starters in an eight-game span in franchise history the Blue Jays in the past eight games have set a new franchise low. They are at five earned runs allowed by the starters in the last eight games, and that beats previous record of six, which was set in 2021, tied in 2016 and 2008. The starting pitching right now is at an all-time best in franchise history. You can also look at ERA for starters in an eight-game span. It is also the lowest it's been in franchise history. So the pace that the Blue Jays are on right now is at an all-time high. And I think what makes all this sweeter for the, for the Blue Jays is that you've gotten two starts over this span from Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Barrios, and both of them have pitched phenomenally. And that's something that we were questioning a lot during spring training. So I'm curious what you make of how the pitchers have performed, especially during this series against the Chicago White Sox. Especially those last two in Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi. That has been the talk basically all offseason and, of course, coming into this season about how much are we going to be able to trust them? Is the comeback season on for any of those two or both of those two? And basically how this season started as well, kind of, especially with Jose Barrios, gave you a couple of... Definitely got us a little bit nervous after that first week. But, of course, Chris Bassett's included because of how he pitched on Monday night. He was somebody that I think we were all fine with at least coming into the season and we're expecting to be a solid guy in this rotation as the number three starter and of course he's continued as well to pretty much I guess get settled into this season of course based off of what happened of course in or the first weekend in St. Louis so I mean it's another start for Chris Bassett where he pitched well uh, it was I think it was too early or two runs that 
pretty much came early, but after that, I thought he settled down. He struck out four, and um, we we know how he left a little bit early because of his back. Uh, it seemed to be something that was more precautionary, though, than actually something bothering him. Of course, he did mention after the game that this was something that he was experiencing even like just before first pitch, so he pretty much gave as much as he could, and of course, he went six and a third before handing things off to the bullpen, so I think the smart play, of course, with that was that he pretty much pulled himself early from the game as he did, so he doesn't have to deal with something that's going to linger on potentially down the line he already said after the game that his next bullpen session won't be affected and he's going to be good to go for his next time around so that was definitely crucial but of course another good outing from him there and despite that bad back he went six and a third so there's the first quality start of course of the series and then the second quality start in all due respect to Bassett because I think I think the expectation level with him was a lot more reasonable compared to the question marks that came with Barrios and Kikuchi. I mean, these last two games for me were the most exciting ones because of how both of them pitched. I mean, if you start with Jose Barrios, it's another quality start. And for me, it was interesting because you usually you usually don't see him get too crazy in terms of showing his emotions. Of course, he wasn't crazy in, in that, but I mean, he was showing his emotion a little bit yesterday. I mean, he, uh, I think there was a big out in the sixth inning. It was the sixth inning, yes. He struck out Eloy Jimenez, and there was a jam with the, pretty much the, the runners on the corners, and when he struck him out, he was patting his glove, and he was cheering, and uh, I think even at the end of the start in the seventh inning, he did the same thing walking off the mound, so it just shows you the confidence with Jose Brios that's starting to turn around. I mean, he struck out nine in his outing, and of course, uh, I think, yeah, he went all the way to the seventh inning, and then even a, st- a start here with Barrios, or a stat with Barrios in particular, his last three outings, which came against the Astros, the Rays, and then the White Sox, he's gone 19 innings, giving up 11 hits, three runs, he's walked two, and he struck out 18 batters, that is insane for Jose Brios after the first start that he had this season, the first two starts where we were a little shaky in terms of his confidence, the fact that he's able to settle down, he's showing his emotion, he's pretty much trying to, he's pretty much continuing to show flashes of what he did in 2021 and I believe I don't know if it was the fastest pitch of his career but it was definitely his fastest pitch as a Blue Jay he threw a 97 mile per hour fastball as well so you can definitely get a sense of just the intensity he's working with right now and the confidence that he's working with right now and I think that's something that's very important of course with Yusei Kikuchi in game three today there's another one where he was just short of a quality start of course he goes five and two thirds before he was pulled but he was kind of pulled more of a I guess you can understand the reasoning before pulling him for matchups. And, of course, Eric Swanson comes out a batter early. I mean, Eric Swanson has been used this year as a guy that's been basically set up to go against the top of the order and that's pretty much what was happening with the White Sox today so before he was pulled of course Kikuchi was uh, dealing I mean his ERA as it stands right now coming out of his start today is directly at three and it just shows again how these numbers are all starting to come down to earth and all starting to balance out but I mean the same thing goes with him in terms of his confidence in terms of his location I thought his slider was great and he just continues to be confident in terms of what he's been throwing out there he's giving along with Barrios and of course along with Bassett at the beginning of the series they're giving the bullpen lots of time, or at least lot, they're saving a lot of energy is what I'm trying to say. And I believe there was also a stat where in terms of relievers innings pitch, I don't have it exactly with me now, but I will find it, that the Blue Jays are actually at the lower part of the league in terms of the innings pitch from the bullpen. So that just shows you, despite whatever happened in the first couple of weeks with pretty much everyone except for Kevin Gosman, this rotation has been giving innings. It has been quality start basically after quality start. And these guys, especially, of course, to begin the homestand are on a right note. But, of course, for the last two of me, Barrios and Kikuchi, it just continues to be important that they continue to build that confidence and really to pretty much earn more of that trust that they are for sure back, especially a guy like Jose Barrios, who we know we've seen it before. These guys look locked in right now, and it's definitely the biggest story right now in terms of how this rotation's looked.
Yeah, I don't know if this was a stat that you were talking about, but I did see something. I don't know if it was all of baseball or just the American League with the Blue Jays having pitched the most innings from their starting rotation. Um, That's what it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was American League or Major League Baseball entirely, yeah. but I know that they are up there. And to say that after, first off, our expectations coming into this season when we didn't know what was going to happen with Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi, and then also... Just what happened the first week of the season, like you mentioned, or what happened in that stretch, you know, with Alec Manoa not totally knowing what he's doing and with Kevin Gosman having that blip in Houston, like all those things in mind, the fact that the Blue Jays are at the top of that leaderboard is kind of mind-blowing and it really puts into perspective like how the aggregate has looked because I think we can a lot of times get pinned down on these bad games from Manoa or these bad games from Gosman and get worried about what's going on. But the Blue Jays on the aggregate have had really good starting pitching. And I think we're coming around to that now. It'd be hard to ignore that fact with a week that the Blue Jays just had and the stretch that they're on right now. Um, yeah, you mentioned pulling Yusei Kikuchi in the sixth inning. It was He was one out away from getting a quality start, which would have been, I think it was the eighth consecutive quality start if he had gotten that final out and finished the sixth inning. But, I mean, he struggled in the fifth inning. He gave up a, gave up a couple base runners and pitched out of a jam, and then he gave up a single, and that's when he was pulled in the sixth. So I kind of understand the case that John Schneider would make in that, you know, you got these guys on base, you're struggling a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's not a close game, but there's no harm in pulling this guy, getting him out good. And also just like getting the bullpen work because they haven't been pitching all that much. And of course, we can't complain about that move because the bullpen came in and shut down the White Sox. Again, it's the White Sox, but they struck out nine of the final 10 batters of the game, starting with, I think it was Eric Swanson who came in first and struck out all four batters he faced. So just total dominance there. So when it comes to the starting rotation, like, are we done with this conversation? Like, like it seems like every episode, this is a very key part of what we're talking about and it was during spring training and it was during our 2023 predictions and it was during the off season but like I know there's going to be rough patches ahead and I know the Blue Jays have had a soft place to land with the Chicago White Sox but are we kind of done with this conversation like where's your confidence level at that this will continue obviously not quite at this level but this type of consistency will continue for at least most of the rest of the season. Yeah, like it, for me, it's got to be high. And of course, while it's high, as you pretty much touched on, there has to be the expectation that there's not going to be, there's still going to be stretches, or most of the season, of course, there's not going to be the stretch of seven or eight straight quality starts. There's going to be a couple times, a couple blips throughout pretty much the rotation, where some guy just allows three or four earned runs, goes five innings, and he doesn't have his best stuff. I mean, we've seen that throughout the years. We saw that a lot last year as well. I think keeping that in mind with what to expect with everything else going on is very crucial with that. But of course, with that expectation, I think you could still be very confident because of what they have shown you in terms of the, pretty much their ceiling and how high they can go. I mean, we talked about Alec Manoa being the ace of this rotation, at least coming in opening day. And then, of course, the sample size that we've seen the last couple of years. And I think for me, I definitely like to see a couple more starts from him to pretty much solidify that I think he's completely back in terms of himself but I think what we saw last weekend at Yankee Stadium was very promising in terms of the pitcher that we're used to seeing and then of course Kevin Gosman I think is the guy where all of us kind of have the 
I guess, the highest confidence with right now, or even coming into the season, it had to be up there in terms of everyone talking about how good of a season they were expecting him to have. And he's really pretty much been that guy except for that one start in Houston and everything like out everything else other than that, I thought he was, and he's been pretty much lights out. The funny part was is that last start at Yankee Stadium, I believe when he was talking to the media, he even was saying how he, he didn't feel like he had his best stuff going and he struck out 11 batters, which is insane. So if he doesn't have his best start going and he's pretty much doing that over seven scoreless, I mean... I mean, we'll take that any day of the week. And of course, Bassett, I think, is a guy where we're going to see starts where sometimes, again, he's going to allow maybe two or three earned runs, possibly for the odd time. But the one thing that he's going to do is he's going to battle and give you innings. I mean, you saw it with the bad back. There's going to be many other situations throughout the year where that happens. And of course, with Barrios and Kikuchi, I mean, I think we're, we're, we definitely have seen a difference now, I guess, as the, pretty much the month of April closes, where even when you look at both of these guys, you see the Brios in terms of what you remember from previous seasons besides 2022. And then when you say Kikuchi, you see a whole different picture than what we've used to be seeing in terms of what we saw last year. And of course, what we saw in his first couple of years when he started off in Seattle. I mean, he's throwing different pitches. He's got, he's working with the pitch clock. He's pretty much probably the most confident you've ever seen him. So the fact that you have five guys now where you can rely on them for the most part to go at least, or at least, I should say at worst, five innings, that's huge in terms of the bullpen usage, in terms of everything like that. We talked about last season how that was something that was lacking in terms of competitive teams like the Blue Jays, pretty much one of the only competitive teams who didn't or didn't near the top in terms of, I guess, innings pitch from their starters. There was a heavy reliance on the bullpen uh, last season because of just so many different factors that happened. And now that if you're relying on these guys to go five innings at least and potentially build off from there and, and then give you a couple innings to work with with the bullpen, that's huge in terms of what you've seen through the first five guys and pretty much what we've seen through all of them in their, all different, in their own different way. They're talented enough to do it. Again, you have to pretty much come on the caution, and I think it's the obvious that you can't expect quality starts in terms of seven or eight straight, but you can definitely expect most starts from all these guys to be solid and, of course, from that to be even better at certain days, and I think we've seen a lot of that as well over the last couple of weeks yeah like I think the expectation for Manoa Gosman and Bassett would was always to be of this quality but I think the question mark was Brios and Kikuchi as we've been talking about and those questions at least in my mind have been answered and it was interesting to hear Kikuchi after today's game he mentioned that um like comparing how he's pitching now to how he was pitching in the first half of 2021 when he earned an all-star nod he said that he's pitching better now because he has more pitches at his disposal like first half of 2021 it was fastball slider and that was basically it that he was relying on to get guys out and now he's added other pitchers pitches into the arsenal so he's much more diverse in the way that he can get batters out and that alone makes me really confident that this is more sustainable than we've seen in the past so yeah I'm right there with you like this is not the quality that we can expect from here on out but I think we've settled into a very nice, very happy quality level where the Blue Jays are putting out good start after good start, and it's putting them into a good position. Again, baseball finds a way of having things go wrong, knock on wood, but I'm pretty sure someone's going to get injured at some point, or something's going to happen, and some guy's going to blow up and have a bad stretch. It's bound to happen. It's baseball. But the fact that all five of these guys are clicking now gives me confidence that the Blue Jays can recover from something like that. Um, just to get in one comment from our listener in our Discord, uh, we had Crazy Waffle say, what a great couple of games. Love seeing the pitching coming together. 
And that's exactly how we feel right now. Um, on the note of pitching, we mentioned it a little bit in the intro. Let's move to the bullpen. And that's Nate Pearson. Um, <laughs> I'm not looking too smart right now, so I might let you carry this segment, Bryson. But Nate Pearson gets the call from AAA. He makes his debut in 2023 in his first big league pitching assignment since the last game of the 2021 season. So it's been a while since we've seen him. Um, of course, I took the under on him before the season started, and I said he would make zero major league appearances, so I'm already wrong on that. But I maintain that the under was, what, 14 and a half, 15 and a half? I maintain, I'm still taking the under. Injuries are bound <laughs> to happen. I'm still holding on to the under there. I know you and Jacob are very happy about this because both of you took the over. But um, I, I mean, personal predictions aside, it's good to see him up in the majors it's been a long road for him there's been a lot of challenges and if he can be effective in the majors after all this time after the top prospect status and after all the hype and the injuries and the setbacks and the mono like if he can be a consistent guy in the majors I'm really happy for him and I think like that's the most fundamental level of this like Put the on-field performance aside and what he adds to the Blue Jays aside. He's been through a lot, and it's a really cool story if he can get through this and add something of value to the Major League team. 100% it is, and like you pretty much you were saying, like this is the first year now where he hasn't he's not viewed as the top prospect. He's viewed as a guy that was fighting for a roster spot. Didn't get it, unfortunately, out of the spring. But of course, all the factors that we've taken in over the last couple of years, he needed to earn it. He needed to go down pretty much for basically the first month of the season in AAA Buffalo. He needed to prove that his stuff was still there, of course. And it definitely was that we saw throughout the spring, but he needed to carry that over with him. And the most important part is he needed to prove that we, he was healthy. So it was only a matter of time. And I think we all had that understanding as much as you predicted the undermark. We all had that understanding is that over the last couple of weeks, he was pretty much building himself up to pretty much join this bullpen eventually. It was going to happen at some point. Um, I definitely didn't think it was going to happen until May, but of course, uh, an underlying factor would happen with Adam Simber with his shoulder. I can't even pronounce what the bone was or exactly what it was, but something with the shoulder where he had to go on the IL, and it was revealed that he was kind of basically dealing with this all spring. So I guess it right flared up with him on the... There you go. I didn't even know that word existed until pretty much that came out. I think out. it's a made-up injury. <laughs> it, it could be. It could be. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, his stuff hasn't been... He's not one of the guys that have been struggling the most, but I think they definitely would have liked to see better stuff come out of him so far. And, I mean, with Nate Pearson, he came up a little bit earlier again, like I was kind of predicting originally, but, of course, at 15 and a half, if he stays healthy and stays in this bullpen, is obviously going to be... Um, pretty much surpassed at some point, knock on wood. But I think the biggest factor for him here is that he has a 14-week, or 14-week, a 14-day window to prove that he's going to stay in this bullpen. This is basically his tryout now. If he wants to stay in the major leagues, he wants to. He's, he pretty much wants his front office to force their hand for a reason to keep him in this bullpen because if he's healthy and if he's pitching well, He's gonna he's gonna stay in this bullpen 100, and then on the on on top of that, there's gonna be a factor of somebody else is gonna have to go, and of course that's the case scenario for Nate Pearson. That's what he faces, and I thought it definitely went out definitely a good start for him after what we saw from him in Tuesday game. Of course, the first couple of batters were a little bit shaky. I mean, he uh, he hits a batter, and then of course he he seemed like he was struggling a little bit, not too much, but a little bit with this command. But he definitely settled down afterward. He ended up getting out of the inning scoreless, and of course he struck out one. So. 
basically what we know of right now is that he's going to be, I believe from what we were told, he's going to be kind of being, he's going to be thrown in in the middle of a game so far to start in terms of before potentially later in the game, of of course, unless the game is blown out. And that's exactly what happened when he came in on Tuesday. But I think that's basically what his role is going to be at first. If he wants to work up from that, that's completely up to him. And of course, again, him staying on the major league roster is up to him as well. So pretty much everything he's gone through the first time since 2021, he's been up here. It's basically his for the taking in terms of him forcing the Jays hand to get rid of somebody else in this bullpen, because of course, Adam Simber will be back at some point, And then the whole corresponding move will be interesting, barring any other injuries that happen to this bullpen. So for Pearson, it definitely was good to see him. Um, of course, we know that he's been taking his work seriously. I believe last winter as well, he went over to, I think it was Venezuela. He played in the winter league. And then of course he came into spring training this year as well, pretty much embracing that pretty much the role of being a reliever and he seems very comfortable with it and of course we know the velocity stuff we know how fast he can throw and as long as we see that consistently in the major leagues he's going to stay up here but of course it's up to him he needs to prove it and the margin for error is very thin for him and of course I think he understands that and that's why he's pretty much embraced this opportunity yeah that's the tough part of all of this is that like in 10 or 14 days time what happens what do the Blue Jays do like they like right now, the equation is between Adam Simber coming back. So then you take Nate Pearson's roster spot away. If you want to give it back, like Trevor Richards has been pitching a lot better lately. Zach Pop probably isn't going down at this point because he's been pitching really well, although he's probably the most realistic option because he has options and he can go down and it doesn't sound totally bizarre, although he's been pitching really well, so I don't know why the Blue Jays would. And, like, I don't know, maybe Anthony Bass is the guy who's struggling the most right now, but I don't think he's going down, so maybe it's a phantom IL stint for him to figure out what the heck is going on. I don't Like, that's the game of chess that emerges once Nate Pearson is on the roster and once Adam Simber comes back and is healthy, so... I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's a problem that's a couple weeks down the line. And right now, you're right. Nate Pearson has a very narrow window and a very thin margin to prove that he deserves to be in the majors right now. And so he's got to take full advantage of that. And so far, we've seen him do it in the situation he was used in in one of these games in this series. And John Schneider has said that he's going to be getting clean innings for the time being, although it depends on the situation they need him in. Like, For example, Zach Pop is a ground ball pitcher. They're going to use Zach Pop if there's a guy on first base. But if they need a strikeout, they're going to Nate Pearson. And so we'll see him used in those situations. And he could get stretched out to two innings. He could do back-to-backs. We'll see. But he's got a very narrow window to prove his worth to the Blue Jays. And so we'll be tracking that over the next few weeks. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the offense. Uh, just to mention, Danny Jansen had his two-homer game, and of course he had that pinch-hit home run at Yankee Stadium, so he's been heating up a little bit. He mentioned that Brandon Belt told him to chase good at-bats, not chase hits or numbers, and so I don't know how much you want to read into that, but that approach seems to be working for him, um, or whether it really was just a thing about heating up and coming around, or if it's just a blip on the radar, right? He's had two homer games before in his career, and it hasn't turned into much. Uh, I know he was better offensively last season than he was before, but we'll see what happens if Danny Jansen can sustain that. So I guess that's my question to you. Like, It's kind of impossible to predict right now because it's just a couple games, and we'll see what happens. But like, 
do you really have confidence that Danny Jansen is going to be an offensive weapon? Like, I, I got to be honest, I don't really see it happening. Like, these couple games are encouraging. Hearing him talk about that new philosophy of chasing good at-bats is cool, I guess. But I really don't buy that he is a totally new hitter now than he has been for the, what, five previous seasons of his major league career? Like, I don't know. I have a tough time buying it. And it's all right. Like, I'm fine with Danny Jansen being who he has been because he adds value to the Blue Jays no matter what his bat does. I just don't really buy that this is a trend that's going to continue. It's hard to say because every time he's shown the flashes and shown that he might be able to do this, there's either been an injury that stops him or he's gone cold. And most of what happened last season, I believe, basically was because of injury. I mean, he, I believe it was pretty much the first series of the year. I mean, he came out swinging. And then, of course, over that first weekend, he went on the I.L. pretty much the following week. And then he came back, he did the same thing, and then he went on the I.L. again. So I think that's the part where it's been hard for him to show he can consistently do this. And until we kind of see it and get a greater sample size, it definitely is hard to tell. But I mean, you talk about how pretty much offensively, of course, how this has started for him. And basically for this catching catcher position in total, there hasn't been a lot of offense. I mean, and that's to say it, of course, with Alejandro Kirk, who had a delayed spring training. He's also somebody who still hasn't exactly gotten his timing around. And of course, with Danny Jansen up until the last Week to two has basically started to show signs. I mean, if you look at his splits over the last 14 days, it's definitely a lot better than what he started with. But, of course, the real, I guess, progress and the real you know, results have shown over the last week where he's basically hitting over 450, uh, slugging over 1,000, OPS over 1,500. Like, the numbers are skyrocketing for him right now. The batting average of balls in play, everything is high with Danny Jansen over the last seven days. But, again, it's he's got to stay healthy, of course, to show that he could he could be able to do this because of course until he does that it's hard for us to know for sure about what he can do but I definitely think we've seen the talent in terms of the flashes that he might be able to bring consistently and I mean that would be very important for somebody who definitely is more regarded defensively as you were saying offensively I mean he made a couple big blocks I thought that were highlighted on pretty much the telecast today from what he did in game two with Jose Barrios pitching I mean we know all that stuff that comes with it of course just calling a game the relationship with his pitchers everything along the lines of that we understand how important he is to this team but of course the topic of him being a catcher and then him being at the plate are definitely two separate things I mean it's definitely encouraging once again to see this it's just the fact that there's been always there's always something stopping him from I guess doing what he's been doing in terms of showing flashes of confidence and pretty much going on a run so luckily so far again knock on wood we haven't seen anything stopping it of course I definitely think you know, as much as it's hard to, I guess, completely play him over Alejandro Kirk all the time, of course, Kirk and DH sometimes when Jansen's catching and all that, you know, they have pretty much have their designated pitchers of who they catch to. And of course, that obviously impacts who's in the lineup, who's going to be DHing. So when Danny Jansen gets his reps and when he gets his opportunities, he's obviously got to keep it up, stay healthy, and then maybe potentially this could be a question where you ask us at the end of May. And by then, maybe we have a different answer. Maybe we can be a little more more confident with it. But, of course, you can't ignore the fact of how good of a homestand he's had so far. And, of course, again, over the last seven days, I mean, he homered twice in the Tuesday game. And the second one he hit pretty much at the end of the game was crushed. I mean, that one was a no-doubter. The second one, I didn't know if it was going to go over. It just just did go over the wall, basically, where I was there because I was at the game. So it was hard to tell. But, of course, that second home run, he absolutely crushed it. And, I mean, you can see the contact. You can see the confidence. And, I mean, he almost missed one as well late in the game. I thought on Tuesday he almost he also hit a couple good ones today as well. So if he can continue to put this up, 
it might be a question that we can definitely have a clearer answer to another month down the line. But until then, we'd like to see him consistently stay healthy, continue to prove it, and of course, continue to do what he's doing behind the uh, behind the plate. Yeah, I need to see more. Like, I have trouble believing it's not just a flash in the pan right now. Although, you did mention BABIP, and that got me thinking, and I looked it up. Like, last seven days, BABIP of 300, which is exactly average. I wonder if we'll see that go up with kind of the shift no longer being around. I don't know if that would change things, but 300 is right around what you would expect for BABIP. And then you look at his stats, like, last 14 days, 227 BABIP. Last 28 days, so the entire season, 194 BABIP. So then, like, I'm a little bit more tempted to believe he got bad luck in his first week or two of the season and has gotten better luck in the last week. And so I I don't know. That kind of conflicts what I just said with it just being a flash in the pan. But until I see otherwise, until we see this for another two or three weeks, I think, I, I think I'm still convinced that it's just a flash in the pan right now. He's got to prove me wrong on that. Um, a guy that isn't just a flash in the pan, or at least so far this season, is Whit Merrifield. Two hit, Whit struck again today. He had two hits in the finale of the series sweep. Um, he's had he's gotten on base safely in every single one of the games he's played this season. That's 19 game on base streak. It's really impressive, especially when you consider the fact that he's not playing all the time. Like he's been playing more consistent now, but the Blue Jays are 25 games into the season. He's had six off days out of the games they've been playing, and he's played his way into more playing time because, you know, start of the season, we were thinking, like, Blue Jays are juggling Santiago Espinal and Whit Merrifield and Kevin Biggio, and so who knows how the playing time is going to break down, and one of them is going to have to play their way into playing time. Like, one of them is going to have to steal away reps and at-bats from one of the others, and it seems like that guy right now is Whit Merrifield. Like, he's proven that he is, I guess, not too far off the all-star guy that he was, was it last year or a couple years ago when he was an all-star in Kansas City? Like, two years ago, he's proven that he is, still has that in him. He hasn't totally fallen off the table, and he can play his way into more starts, and so it's been nice to see that. I know Espinal has been heating up a little bit as well. He had a good game today and yesterday, I think. Um, so, I I mean, it, I don't know if there's much to talk about here. He's played his way into more starts, and he deserves it because he's been hitting really well lately. Yeah, I think, I think it's important to know that basically <clears throat> until this point, we haven't seen two hit wit from Kansas City. I mean, we talked about, or he pretty much talked about a lot last year, the change I guess in playing every day in Kansas City and playing on a team that wasn't competitive coming over to the Blue Jays who were competitive and then of course on top of that that you're on a really good team now the opportunity isn't exactly there as it once was and I think that definitely was an adjustment for him that he wasn't in the lineup every day and I think closer to the end of the season he definitely was playing a lot better I mean I remember talking about it in terms of last season basically pretty much when we were talking about the playoff preview of who's going to be that every day or who's going to be the second baseman that's starting in these games and we all had that conclusion that it was Merrifield because of the last couple of weeks in September where he definitely started to turn it up and the fact that he's been able to bring it over with him now in a 2023 and basically he's kind of quietly I thought of like as much as we have we're acknowledging it now I do think that not a lot of people are talking about 
how good and quiet he's been to start off the year. Of course, at second base with the limited time and the limited opportunities he's gotten. But of course, like you mentioned, over the last couple of games now, of course, uh, Santiago Espinal as well, dealing with a, a bruised wrist or a wrist contusion. So basically that opened up more playing time for him as well in that kind of span of five days it was around there. But even before that, I mean, the playing time was going up regardless if it was in left field, if it was at second base. And he's really taken advantage of that. So you have to imagine that he's going to be finding himself in the lineup a lot more as, as long as he continues to show this. And I think that there is optimism that he might be able to continue this, of course, because of the fact that he was two hit with, he is a two time all-star basically dating back to 2021 and 2019, where in both of those seasons, when he was an all-star, he played all 162 games. So he's done this over the course of 162 before twice. I think that's very crucial and very important to realize that he's done this before in the years past. He's now kind of, it seems like he's a lot more comfortable, of course, being on the blue Jays this season. We know that he's a pending free agent from what I believe he is a pending free agent. So he definitely has a lot to play for himself uh, in terms of what could line up for him at the end of the season. So I think the pa- the fact that he's taken advantage of these opportunities, he's kind of done it quietly. He's kind of hitting near the middle-ish of the or late end of the batting order. Potentially, if he continues to play well, he might move up a spot or two. But the fact of where he is right now in the lineup, he's comfortable. He's going to get more opportunities to play every day. Of course, we know that he can be good in the field as well. Of course, the versatility being able to play in the outfield. It's very important to him in terms of, or it's very important for him in terms of taking advantage of this and becoming two hit wit again in Toronto. And of course, it's definitely a good boost for the the later part of the batting order. We've talked about how the top three are locked, basically, of course, and Matt Chapman at four when he is uh, hitting cleanup. Other than that, you know, it, it, I'm not saying they're bad, but of course, there's going to be flashes of people being up and down. There's going to be, in terms of Dalton Varsha going through some spells and all of that. And the fact that Whit Merrifield can contribute to the lineup as well near the bottom part of the order, I think that's very important for this lineup. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, you mentioned moving up in the lineup. I think, like, in the case that Springer does get off days, Whit Merrifield is a good candidate to lead it off. Like, he's got speed. He gets on base as evidenced by his 19-game on base streak. Like, I think he's as good an option as anyone in this lineup. And I know we saw Springer get a day off. Was it earlier in this series or was it in New York? Um, it was semi series, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we got a day off Game this one. series, and the Blue Jays just moved everyone up. One, Bichette went one, Vladdy went two, and I think it was Chapman hitting in the three-hole. Like, I wouldn't be upset to see Merrifield hit one, and then keep everyone else where they are because, to me, Merrifield has earned that spot. Like, he's played out of his mind recently. And so, I mean, obviously you hope it can continue. And hopefully George Springer doesn't need to take an extra day off here and there. I know he got hit in the, looked like the right hand by a pitch. He was taken out with a contusion. And uh, x-rays came back negative. But as we know with George Springer... What can initially seem like a very small deal can sometimes blossom into a very big deal. And uh, we're 25 games into the season, so it seems like the point where things should start falling apart for George Springer, as much as I hate to say that. But um, in the case that everything does hit the fan, I wouldn't mind seeing Whit Merrifield slide into the leadoff spot. I think he's earned his way into that position, at least so far. Knock on wood that nothing happens to George. Definitely, if nothing happens to George. And it's hard for us to even comment on it other than, I mean, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's a regular year in terms of George Springer getting in 20 games and then 
there's the first injury. So, I mean, we know as well, even for Springer himself, I mean, he hasn't exactly gotten off to the greatest start of the season. A lot of that has come with bad luck, yes. But in terms of his numbers overall, he's definitely not exactly where he would want to be. So I don't know if this is exactly the right time for him to miss significant time. So I think what we know right now, of course, this could be quickly outdated. But what we know right now on Wednesday, April 26th, is that it's a it's a hand contusion. And that's all we know. Of course, the off day is coming on the Thursday, which definitely comes at a really good time. It's hard to say that pretty much from what we know, if he's going to be in the lineup at all this weekend. But of course, you just based on what we've seen throughout his tenure here is that you don't want this pretty much dragging on throughout the year. So in the case where he has to sit out a couple of games, uh, I definitely do think that's an option. But basically, when Springer sat out, I believe it's either been twice or three times now where he has sat out and every. Every time he's done that, basically everyone's moved up one. So basically, Bo Bichette's been the leadoff guy in all those situations where Springer uh, has sat out and everyone moves up one like you were talking about. So if that's something that we might see more again on the weekend, I mean, you are you are right. He definitely has earned himself to be in that spot, I think, with Merrifield. I mean, if they ever consider that, of course. But it just gives you another option in terms of if you don't just want to just move everybody up one, if you want to keep everyone where they are without Springer in the lineup, what Merrifield's an option, of course, 100%. I agree with you on that because of the fact of pretty much what we've been talking about in terms of the start that he's gotten off to and just the fact that he seems a lot more comfortable now as he once did basically near the or pretty much right when he got to Toronto last season. So it's definitely something that is an option. I think it would be cool if they did do that. But of course, in all due respect with him, you don't want to see that as much uh, because of George Springer's injury. You want him to be back in the lineup as quickly as he can. And then once he's in the lineup, and of course what we are talking about with Merrifield being so good near the bottom of the order, I mean, that just produces an even better lineup for sure. All right. So we've got an off day, and then the Blue Jays are heading into a series against the Seattle Mariners. It's the Mariners' first time in town since you know what. What are our series predictions? We can start it off with what Jacob said. He said that the Blue Jays would go 2-1, and one, and they would lose the first game in the series and win on Saturday and Sunday. Bryson, what are your thoughts on this series? Well, first of all, yes, it is the first time since the act, the incident uh, last October. The Mariners haven't confirmed any starters yet, but basically from what I, you can line up, I believe at some point in this series, Luis Castillo is pitching. And of course, we know how that went in the wild card series last year. But of course, even more importantly, how good of a start he's gotten off to this season. That's going to be a hard day for the offense, no matter who's on the mound. Of course, what we know, it's going to be Alec Manoa in game one, Kevin Gosman game two, and then of course, Chris Bassett game three. For the sake of it, without knowing the Mariners confirmed starters. So we, in terms of this, we're kind of going in blind. I'll say they win two out of three. But they win the Manoa and the Gosman game. I think they lose the Sunday game. I just I, I'm more confident, and I want to see Manoa build more off of what he did last week at Yankee Stadium. And it's hard for me to predict Kevin Gosman or a loss when Kevin Gosman's pitching. So I think that's the safe play right now without knowing the confirmation. And I will add, of course, it's another homecoming for Teoscar Hernandez. I think he's going to definitely get a nice ovation in a video tribute. Something that we did not see. Uh, with Charlie Montoyo, who was in town this past week. And of course, another thing I wanted to add is that um, the Mariners got some pretty bad news today with Robbie Ray. I mean, former Blue Jay, he's going to be out for the year. That's a big loss for them. Uh, just definitely something that you kind of 
opens your eye a little bit just because of the fact of the Blue Jays connection, the Cy Young connection, a guy that they went with Kevin Gosman instead of Robbie Ray. Uh, at the time, of course, none of us can predict injuries, but it just shows um, the damage that that is going to cause to the Mariners uh, starting rotation throughout the rest of the year. So that was a big loss for them. Uh, that pretty much was announced today. But I will say two out of three, game one and game two, they win. Yeah, the Blue Jays certainly dodged a bullet with Robbie Ray or, you know, butterfly effect. Maybe things would have been different if he signed in Toronto, but looks good right now, that deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. This series is tough because we don't know who's starting for Seattle. I don't like. I think you and Jacob are right in that they lose either the Friday or the Sunday game. I don't think there's a world in which they lose the Saturday game. Part of me is tempted to say a sweep just because of how good the pitching is right now, but it is Seattle, and Seattle is a much more competent team than the Chicago White Sox, so I won't go that far. <sighs> They're off to a slow start, though. They are. <laughs> okay, let me look at the standings. Give me a minute on this okay. one. Okay. Where are the standings at with Seattle? So they're eleven they're and thirteen. Okay, so yeah, and the AL West has been kind of different this year in terms of the Astros starting out right. slow. So yeah, I'm curious oh, here. Geez. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm play it. I'll play it safe and say two to three okay. because we'll go That's over fair. the standings in a minute. But I'm in the hole right now. I'll go with you. I'll say the Chris Bassett game they lose on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I'm in the hole right now in the standings. You both, both you <laughs> and Jacob, blew past two straight per- perfect. Uh, yeah, you're two straight perfect. Uh, both of you said the sweep, so you both get a full four points for a perfect prediction. And then I said they would go two and one, and they didn't. So I get one point uh, for being semi close to what happened. So now Bryson, you're leading it with twenty. Jacob's in second with eighteen points, and I'm at. Third and last place was 16 points. So I got some work to do. So I'm going to say two of one and play it safe and they lose the Sunday game. But we'll see what happens. Uh, final thoughts? I'll ask you one. Well, first of all, it's hard for me to blame you because I just first I didn't realize how bad the White Sox were until yeah. we actually saw them this week. Like, I don't know <laughs> like, what happened to them. It's abysmal. But it is bad. And of course, you were there to see it, too, uh, from today. Like, it's just they look uncoordinated. They're just everything about them right now is a disaster. And, of course, it doesn't get any easier for them. I believe they're playing the, the Rays as early as oh, tomorrow geez. night. So, <laughs> And, of course, that doesn't help for the Blue Jays' state or sake of uh, catching up to the AL East. But I will ask you one thing. In terms of, I guess, a side prediction, three games here against the Mariners. Say Oscar Hernandez is going to go deep at least once. What do you think? Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah, He's got it. I don't know what the reaction will be to that, but I think he's got. He's going to get an standing O for sure. But yeah, yes, I, I would hope. I so. see it happen. I don't know. Just, I yeah. think it's happening too. Yeah. On the on the White Sox, did you see that quote from uh, whatever their catcher's name is, Sebi? Sebi. I didn't know. Starts with his last name starts with a Z. His there was a lot of expletives in his quote after today's game, and basically it was like, "We're in a giant hole. I don't know how the hell we get out of this." And when that's what you're saying 25 games into the season, it's not pretty. And they also, they have a new manager this year, and he's already yeah, on the They hot moved on seat. from Tony. It's like, yeah. maybe Tony was the key for all this clicking. Who knows? You and know, maybe, those, naps, <laughs> those naps in the dugout were the key. Yeah. And maybe Charlie's going to manage us quicker than he thought again. You never know. <laughs> that's also a possibility. <laughs> it could be his job in a week's time. We never know. Um, but okay, on that note... 
We'll wrap this episode up. As always, everything connected to this podcast is at our link tree, which is in our bio on all social media. It's below this episode in the show notes. Um, It can direct you to everywhere you listen to our podcast. It can also direct you to our Discord where we chat during games. We've got about 70 listeners in there now. We also open up a mailbag in our Discord, so check that out. You can check out our our, uh, Buy Us A Coffee page, which just helps support what we're doing. Then, as always, I encourage you to rate and review our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which just helps what we're doing as well. Okay, we got an off day, then three games against the Seattle Mariners, a much-anticipated series with the Blue Jays on a roll. We'll catch you next time.